0: Fans, and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you for joining me on this episode this week. I appreciate you doing that. It's just me this week on my lonesome. I am because I I wasn't planning on doing a pod this week, to be honest with you. There's not much going on in the uh, the Bulls sphere at this point. It's pretty quiet on, on, on all things Bulls, but... For whatever reason, I just had an urge to do a podcast, and it has been a while since I had spoken to fans or had heard from fans, so I thought, why not do a bit of a mailbag episode where you guys can send me through your questions, what you've got on your mind, and me, being me, the opinionated douchebag that I am, I will come back to you and and give you my thoughts. And As always, i got a range of different questions from fans all over the place. Bulls fans are always great in sending in through questions to me. So I appreciate everyone who's most certainly has done that and has helping the podcast out in that sense. So really do appreciate it. But we're going to cover a lot of topics. The typical topics we fans are typically discussing at this point of the year. We're going to be talking Bulls coaching, the draft, obviously, any trades that the Bulls maybe should be considering heading into the next season, particularly with new management on board. Obviously, my thoughts on the current squad of players who we've got around, you know, Zach, Lowry, Kobe, etc. We'll get into that. Maybe we can close the show talking about some playoffs too. So let's rip into it because I've got a number of questions here. Like I said, I'm, I'm pretty chuffed at how many people responded. So again, I really do appreciate it. But I think it makes sense for us to launch into this and start right at the top with coaching because that is probably the big, I guess, talking point among fa- fans at this point as to what remains open for the Bulls to do heading into... Well, maybe not necessarily the new season because we don't necessarily know when that is. But at least before the draft, we would hope the Bulls are going to have a new a new coach in place before that. So, this first question comes in from Noah Casper. He's at Noah Casper one on Twitter. He asks, "Would you rather see the Bulls hire a veteran NBA coach or a young assistant with no head coaching experience?" So, it's a it's a pertinent question, Noah. In particular, based on a report that came out yesterday from Woj, and and basically what Woj is alluding to, or at least listing out the names that have been connected to the Bulls' job, a lot of these guys that have been connected to the job are your young assistant types, those that don't necessarily have any head coaching experience. So I think the only the only real head coach, or the only uh, a candidate who has any head coaching experience that's realistically linked to the Bulls' job is Kenny Atkinson. So. He, he's the only one that has head coaching experience. I think Kenny Atkinson's still a fairly young coach. He's, he's in his forties, somewhere in that range. So, uh, you know, he's not an assistant, obviously, but still a youngish head coach. But he's the only one that really does have that experience. Other guys that have been connected to, to the job, you know, Darvin Ham, um, Wes Unsell Jr., Stephen Silas. He made your doker. A lot of these guys are your up-and-coming assistants. You can, you can even include David Vanderpool into that into that as well. He's potentially linked to the Bulls job. Woj added a couple extras as well. Dan Craig from the Miami Heat, he's an assisting coach with the Heat at the moment. Obviously, he's still in the bubble playing or coaching with the Heat. And another name that Woj connected to the Bulls job was Jamal Mosley, who is also a Dallas Mavericks assistant coach, along with Steven Silas. So they're the guys that have been typically linked to the Bulls job, along with a current Bulls assistants, Chris Fleming and Roy Rogers. So that's generally the list. There's about eight or nine guys. They all seem to be pretty competent coaches or coaching candidates. It's always hard to know of these assistants who will make a good head coach, because from our point of view, from our... Our perspective as fans, it's hard to know anything more than what's written and what's said about these guys. And typically, at this time of year, when they are applying for jobs, it's generally only you generally only hear about the positives, right? So, it's hard to know what these guys really are about, how good they will be as head coach. And it's obviously a significant jump up from assistant coach to head coach. We may not think this now, but when the balls brought in Jim Boylan, he was actually quite. Revered to an extent, and even had even had some pedigree and um, some praise when he was coming to the Bulls to be an associate assistant coach behind Fred Hoiberg, given his time with the Pacers and obviously the Spurs. So, the the point is, these assistant coaches can look nice on paper at some points. You know, occasionally they'll break the right way, like Tom Thibodeau did for the Bulls, but occasionally things will go pear shaped, like the Jim Boylan experience did. So it's hard to say. But to answer your question, it seems like the Bulls are going to go ahead, are going down that path of. You know, of, of hiring a young assistant type head coach. That's typically what they always do. They always bring in a young assistant who is one, to be frank, cheap. A, an assistant coach going into his first job, they are typically always the cheapest coaches to hire. But they like doing that as well because they ha that. When you're a young assistant, you you have less clout. You have less ability to maybe uh, push and pull and to sort of have things go your way. So I think if from that standpoint. That's why the Bulls have always gone young assistants. And it looks like that's what of is going down this path as well. My preference, I would probably prefer the Bulls go with a young assistant rather than a retread. And to be fair, I mean, there hasn't been that many retread coaches linked to the Bulls job. You know, guys like Tyrone Lou, Jason Kidd, Jeff, Gun- Jeff-, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, the, t- the typical names that you hear at this time of year, you know, rumored and linked to specific jobs. Um, they're not connected to the Bulls really at all, which is good. I'm very happy about that. Now, it'll probably all come down to timing and where this this all sort of plays itself out, but I would imagine the Bulls will get down the path of of, of looking at at least having finals or hiring a coach by the time any of some of these sort of lead head coaches at the moment may come up. I mean, we'll see what happens with Mike D'Antoni for an example. Perhaps if the Rockets were to drop game seven and lose to the Thunder, then maybe he gets fired and he's a you know an experienced head coach that hits the market, but he's probably not someone that really the Bulls should be looking at anyway. I think what makes sense for this team is they need a young coach, one that has a pedigree in developing players, which I think is why the Bulls are currently talking to Kenny Atkinson at this point, but even those other assistants that have been named, so long as that coach comes through... And has shown a pedigree of developing players, then that's all that I really care about at the moment. I don't really necessarily care if they're a veteran or not. All that really matters to me is how good are these guys in developing players because that's where the Bulls are currently at. I'm not necessarily thinking about this head coaching vacancy or this Bulls suit to be coach as the coach that's going to bring a title to the Chicago Bulls. I think what we need to focus on is the next two to three years who can develop this team and at least get them to max out their potential. I think that's all we can hope for. Whether that potential is good enough to win a title, but who knows, probably not. But as long as you can get the most out of these players and if if you can't win anything big with them, then at least you can maybe sell them off to a to another team and trade these pieces for something a little bit more grand. But until you get some proper development coaching in, then you know, the players can never do that I suppose. So the first step is just getting in a good development coach. I'm, I'm tipping it's going to be a young assistant, but it could be Kenny Atkinson. I would be happy with both. But um, yeah, I don't really care too much as to whether it's a veteran NBA coach or a young assistant. Just get the right person in for the job. And to that point, we've got a question in here from Chicago Bulls and Espanol. So EN Bulls on Twitter. They ask, with Tim Duncan in the Spurs' future, why don't the Bulls have Becky Hammond as a candidate for head for the head coaching job? She will be a fine head coach. I think that's a pretty good point. So the names that have been listed to the Bull's job are quality assistants that that they come with a lot of pedigree. The type of names you would hope that to be linked to your coaching search at this point. So I'm happy with the names that have been listed, but it is interesting that Becky Hammond, again, another noted and, and well respected assistant coach hasn't been linked to the, the Bull's head coaching position. And I can only assume that's the case because she's being lined up or teed up to be the next coach in San Antonio. I know Tim Duncan became part of the coaching fraternity there in San Antonio this year but to be fair he's only been there for one season he's head coaching or not he has no head coaching experience he has very limited coaching experience I understand he's a Spurs legend but Becky Hammond has done a lot of work as an assistant coach with the Spurs a lot of development work with the Spurs a lot of their assistants are sort of obviously dispersed around the league we are we we saw that with Jim Boylan ourselves so I think Becky Hammond sort of is in line to be that next or the successor to pop so maybe Maybe Karnashovas reached out to Hammond and she just wasn't interested because maybe she's got, she wants to line up that Spurs coaching job. I I, I don't know. It would have been good to see them sort of going after Becky Hammond. One, from a diversity standpoint, standpoint, but two, because she is qualified, she's reportedly very good at what she does. So it is interesting that she hasn't been connected to the Bulls head coaching job, but you know, I I do think the names that the Bulls have attached to their head coaching search, a good name. So I'm pretty confident that Karnashovas and Mark Eversley are going to land a good coach who can develop this roster. But again, like I said, you you never really know, but we'll see what happens. Uh, it's, I think we we as fans should probably be thinking about the end of September being a realistic date as to when the next Bulls head coach will be put in place. I mean, we're, we're pretty much just starting September at this point. Karnachovics has talked to Kenny Atkinson for sure. I know that has been rumored that those two have open had open conversations. I'm pretty sure that's the case for Wes Unseld Jr. and Darvin Ham as well. So they have been linked to the Bulls' job from the get-go. I believe the Bulls have made contact with those two guys, even though they are both currently in the second round. Or the Mav- oh, sorry, the Nuggets just uh, advanced to the second round. Obviously, the Bucks are playing the Heat in the second round at, the, at this point. So those two still remain in the bubble, but. Carter Chauvis has made contact. He's, he will, he'll be conducting interviews with those guys. And the reason why we should be thinking about the end of September as a date as to when the coaching search will be wrapped up is that's when the Bulls will be able to meet as a group, as a team. Those that, the, those teams that didn't necessarily make the bubble will be, uh, will have been allowed at this point to reconvene in their cities to have sort of group training sessions for a two-week period so you would assume at that point that the Bulls would want to have their head coach in place which is around the September 21 September 22 somewhere in that range as to when those meetings will start to sort of start to kick off so that gives kind of show us about an extra three weeks here to Maybe find the the Bulls' next head coach. So I wouldn't be surprised in two to three weeks' time we're talking about the Bulls' next coach and it being someone like Darvin Ham or Wes Unseld Jr. or Kenny Atkinson. I think they are probably the favourites for the role. Um, Atkinson because he has experience developing rosters. We've seen that, and you know guys like Darvin Ham and Wes Unseld Jr. They you know quality assistants. Konechovs has obviously worked closely with Wes Unseld Jr. So I think they are the three frontrunners at this stage, but. I would be tipping in two to three weeks we will be knowing who the Chicago Bulls head coach will be. So thank you to Noah and Chicago Bulls and Español for sending in your your questions around coaching. I really do appreciate it. I want to move into uh, another set of questions, I suppose, that more relate to the draft and maybe some trades that we as Bulls fans should be hoping for, thinking about uh for the bulls coming up into the next phase, I guess, of the, the next milestone for the bulls in terms of the off season. What we, we, we obviously got just got done talking about the coaching search. That's priority one. But thereafter we're really heading into draft season. So and the, then obviously the off season thereafter. So we're definitely gonna have a lot more draft talk coming up here on Bulls HQ. We'll be we are riffing on like who who we like for the Bulls at number four, what the Bulls should be doing with their with their picks, all those sorts of things, players' evaluations, all that stuff will be coming over the next couple of weeks. But the first question in here around the draft comes through from Felipe Carvel Hayes. Felipe, again, I, I I'm i I butchered your last name, mate. I consistently do that every time you send a message through, but I no no less I still appreciate you sending through your uh, your question. So Felipe asks, Do you have a realistic trade package idea for this draft, be it to trade up, down, or even out for an extra pick? Mine is to trade Thad Young, Tomas Sadaransky, and pick number 44 for Trevor Ariza, Rodney Hood, both of whom are probably a one-year dead money types by now, and pick 16. That trade, Felipe says, would make Portland better with their financial reality, and we would get a secondary first-round pick. And that's that's an interesting one. I I, I, I don't know if, if the Blazers would be interested to to entertain that. I think that would be that would actually be a pretty good trade for the Blazers to be honest with you in terms of they need a power forward so Thad Young would fit well on the Blazers I think they do need that secondary point guard and Sadaransky would fit nicely next to Lillard and McCollum so that they are two players who would definitely fit what Portland are doing and Portland are typically well, they're in that window now where they want to compete with Lillard. So, you know, do they have any value or do they even want to draft someone at number 16? Maybe they do because it's cheaper labor, but, you know, who knows? But that's an interesting trade pr- pr- proposal. As to what I generally feel about the draft for the Bulls, whether they should trade up, down, or even out. Generally, I don't like trading out of a draft and I don't know if any team... I mean, who? What? What are you going to necessarily get for a number four pick by trading out of it? I don't think you're necessarily going to get a, a, a future first round pick that's going to materialize to be any better. Let's say you might get a, a middling first round pick in a, in a future draft, which may have uh, you know comparative value to a number four pick now. But I typically always like to stay in drafts and, and you know take a swing on a player, particularly after the year the Bulls just had. I would rather stay in the draft and take a swing and and just get in someone who can help and and just getting in an additional talent that can sort of bolster the roster that we currently have, not just because the Bulls clearly need more talent, but maybe that extra talent that they can bring can make the lives of Zach Levine, Kobe White, Larry Markin, etc. Maybe that player can sort of fit with those guys and just make it a little bit easier for them to show out. So... I would probably be more inclined to trade down in this draft, maybe from four to seven or eight, somewhere like that, which is kind of ironic given, you know, the Bulls typically picking number seven. And uh, here I am saying it would be nice to go backwards and go to number seven, but maybe going back to pick seven or eight, picking up a future asset or, or you know, a late first round pick, whatever it may be. And then taking someone in that six, seven, eight range, like, you know, Devin de Vazelle, for example, that would be interesting to me rather than trading up because a lot of the guys in the top two or three Whilst they're probably better than the guys that the Bulls will take at number four, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a material, uh, I don't think those players are materially better, let's say. So I wouldn't necessarily be trading up because you're going to have to get rid of number four and you have to throw in an additional asset. And I just don't see the value of doing that in this particular draft for guys who probably aren't going to be, you know, your next Luca, your next Zion or whatever it might be. There might be borderline All-Stars, maybe a couple of them may make an All-Star game, but I've got serious questions about LeBello Ball. I've got serious questions about Anthony Edwards. I I want no piece of James Wiseman. I mean, who else beyond there is up up there towards the top? I'm just not interested in trading up at all. So number four is kind of that weird position where you're probably not going to be in a good enough position to maybe snag one of those guys unless they severely fall for whatever reason but then you're probably paying overs or maybe drafting a little too high to get one someone like Devin Vassell or someone like Tyrese Halliburton maybe maybe you swing on Killian Hayes I know the Bulls are interested in Denny of Dia but are those guys really worth a number number four pick I don't know I don't know how, I don't feel great about it but if anything I'm staying put on trading down Felipe. No, so, so September 2nd, that's where I feel about the draft. That's how I feel about the situation at this point. But obviously, there's still quite a quite a number of weeks before the draft. So um, um my my opinion will probably, probably change a million times before then. But thank you for sending me through your question, Felipe. The next one comes through from Jeremiah Brown at Jeremiah T. Brown on Twitter. He asks, if you can make one move, a realistic one, not some ridiculous NBA 2K trash ones, what would it be? Yeah, I think this is a good question, Jeremiah, because I think the Bulls, well, they don't have a lot of options because their roster at this point, a lot of the guys are contracted for next season. So in terms of just current open slots, they don't have necessarily a lot of room to move. So in terms of signing a free agent, they might may, they might only be bringing in you know, one or two guys, if that. They've obviously got their first and second round draft pick potentially to add. You don't really have any expiring deals. We'll see what happens with Chris Dunn, maybe a couple of others. So in that sense, there's no, I don't expect the Bulls to be doing much in free agency. We we'll obviously do see what they do from a trading point of view, but I wouldn't be expecting too much initially from Karnashovas. So I would imagine he would want to get a look at these guys before making a move. But who knows, maybe if the right offer comes through, then maybe he would package one or two of, you know, Levine, Larry, whatever it might be. But I'm not expecting that until, you know, he's had a good two to three months period to evaluate these guys. And I think Lowry may be an interesting trade candidate given that he's going into the final year of his rookie deal. The Bulls will obviously need to make a decision at some point as to whether they have him as part of their future plans. If they don't, then we often see a lot of these guys in their fourth year being traded at some point before that extension, sort of, before a new deal is needed to be given to those guys. So I would think... He would wait to make any trades. So from that standpoint, I think the the biggest move or the one move that I want to see the Bulls make, and I think it's probably going to happen through the draft, that's the most realistic avenue for the Bulls to add serious talent to this roster is for them to target some sort of wing player or some sort of ball handler in this specific draft. I think that's how the Bulls need to be thinking. And I say that in part based on what we're seeing in the playoffs. I mean, I just got done watching the Jazz and the Nuggets We've seen Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray go back and forth. Just having that ball handler who can create in 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 half court, I think that's super important. Jimmy Butler is obviously just you know been fantastic for the Miami Heat. We've seen Kawhi Leonard do Kawhi Leonard things. Obviously, last playoffs, this playoffs. You need that wing player or that on-ball guard that can create offense. Now, obviously, Zach Levine is a great offensive finisher. I obviously have serious questions about his ability to run an offense, to create offense for others. I feel similarly for Kobe White, and I'll talk a little bit more about White because we've got a question from about Kobe White a little bit later on. But to me, those guys can grow into... You know, fantastic offensive finishes. And I think Zach's already there. He's one of the more elite scorers in this league. But in terms of general playmaking and running the offense and having an ability to create for others, particularly when you have a player like Larry Mark and Wendell Carter, who are going to be players who are consistently highly assisted on their baskets, you need someone who can create some offense. So The Bulls need to be targeting that in the draft and I think that's why I'll probably lean Killian Hayes at this point because I think he makes the most sense from an upside standpoint taking a shot on someone someone who can run an offense, someone who can run a pick and roll, someone who can create for others. That's probably where I'm leaning at this point Or, or if it's not him, getting in some more wings onto this roster. I mean, again- I, just re- referring it back to what we're seeing in the playoffs, I'm looking at this Boston Celtics team, and they have three, four, five different wing options. Obviously, they've got the two lead options in, in Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown. I mean, the Bulls just have zero wings on this roster, particularly when Otto Porter and Chandler Hutchinson are so injury-prone. The, the Bulls just can't go another season when they're where essentially, they've got a makeshift small forward in place. I, I just never want to see Chris Dunn playing small forward again. I never want to see Ryan Archidiakno playing small forward and guard, guarding Giannis ever again. I mean, we we just need to avoid that at all costs. The Bulls need to get in some serious wing talent in here, and, and that will help someone like Zach Levine. It's, instead of being on the court there with Chris Dunn at small forward, and, you know, the defense is treating him with zero respect at all. And then the defense locking on, on Zach Levine and, you know, them crowding his space, getting doubled, as we saw a lot in this season for the Bulls. If you can put a respectable wing on the court, that can play some defense, can shoot some threes. At a minimum, that would be huge for a player like Zach Levine. So the more I think about it, even a guy like, you know, Devin Vassell, he would be an interesting candidate for the Bulls. So I'm 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 thinking playmaking, I'm thinking wings. Someone in that, you know, 6'4 to 6'7 range, someone who can just be a valuable contributor at least. But if not, you swing on upside and maybe they are that you know that wing or guard option that can really change the trajectory of the Bulls franchise. I'm not expecting that in the draft, but I'm taking the swing on that type of player because I'm not expecting anything to happen in free agency and I'm not expecting any big trades to come in the first couple of months. So the draft is where I see the Bulls making their biggest talent addition. It's it, That's a suspect thought given this draft isn't a great one, but I don't know. I think that's where the Bulls are going to have to look for it at this point. That's probably the biggest or the most likely avenue as to where they're going to add some talent going forward. Uh, they're, they're just my thoughts, Jeremiah. Obviously, happy to hear from you, from yourself, and then obviously other Bulls fans listening in. Let me know what you think the Bulls should be doing in terms of realistic, non-ridiculous NBA 2K trash sort of trades. We don't, we're not interested in those. I, I like to keep it real too, so... If you got any thoughts, hit me up. Thank you for your question, Jeremiah. We'll continue into the questions, but first I wanna tell you all about this week's sponsors. You counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy, open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless delivery drop-off settings. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. I also want to tell you about Sunday Ticket. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, nflsundayticket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit nflsundayticket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Alright, back to the show now and continuing on with your questions now. The next set of questions, they're probably more focused around the current squad, the guys that we have on the roster already. So rather than thinking about the coaching and the drafts and the trading and all that sort of stuff, what do I think about the current cup of Chicago Bulls that are on the squad at this point? So the first question comes in from Jerry Wallace. Jerry asks, do you feel that a solid draft and a good head coach signing is enough to expect a Bulls team with a winning record? Uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I've been thinking about this the last couple of days, in particular about you know how the East may shape itself heading into next season. and. Look, we've obviously spoken about who the Bulls potentially could hire as a coach. I'm hoping that coach is obviously a good development coach and can get the best out of those players. Obviously, if they get that type of player and we get some improvements out of Larry Mark and Wendell Carter specifically, they're the two guys that regressed most under Boylan, uh, then, then maybe the Bulls can be in a position where they could sort of be challenging for a winning record. Um, obviously, if they land their draft pick as well, if, if if a Killian Hayes or a Devin Vassell or a Tyrese Halliburton, whoever they you know, um, whoever they draft, if that player can add to the team and not be a complete dud, let's say, and can be a, a valuable contributor, then maybe then all of a sudden the Bulls have do and they do have a solid you know eight to nine man rotation. Specifically, if Otto Porter can stay healthy, I think that's key like I just sort of mentioned before, the Bulls have zero wings on this roster at the moment. So if Otto Porter can stay healthy, if Chandler Hutchinson can stay healthy, if they draft someone like Devin to the cell, then all of a sudden you've got th- three credible wings that you can run through the rotation, either in a bigger lineup with and, and and Carter on the floor or even a smaller lineup. So it will give the coach some flexibility in that sense. So... I I do think the Bulls have some t- potential to maybe get out to a winning record. It wouldn't be very much. I mean, you know, I'm talking forty two, forty three wins at most. But a lot of that I think will be dictated by how good or bad the East is next season and what happens in the East. I mean, if Toronto are to le- to lose in the second round here, I mean, do they break up that team? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that opens up a a, a spot for the Bulls to maybe sort of f- find their way through. Who the hell knows what, with the Orlando Magic? I mean, they're always a team hovering around that 500 mark. Jonathan Isaac had a pretty bad injury in the bubble. How long is he going to be out? What are they going to do with their squad? They don't necessarily have a ton of appeal. They don't have many draft picks coming their way. They're not picking it towards the high end of the draft anymore because of they've been in that sort of, they've been in the back end of the playoff seedings for the last couple of years. So, I, There's always that chance to sneak past the Orlando Magic. I'll expect the Nets to be better, obviously, with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant coming back next season. Who knows what happens with the Indiana Pacers? I mean, they've obviously fired their coach. Does Victor Oladipo hang around for another season? Do they start trading their guys in and out? I don't know. You kind of have to wait and see what happens with the Pacers, I think, what happens with the Magic and what happens with the Toronto Raptors as to what those teams do or don't do. And, you know, if they do recede some, And are able to come back to the pack whilst the Bulls seemingly improve as well. Maybe that will give the Bulls that ability to maybe jump up a little bit. But I I don't want to say they have a good chance. I don't want to expect a winning record because I've been burnt the last couple of times around that I was expecting some marketed improvement. Even with Jim Boylan around, obviously, Boylan is gone. Things should be better, but I just don't want to assume that going forward. I want I want to I wanna see it first. I want to temper my expectations. So I would I would say it's probably unlikely, but I do think there is a a possible case as to where the Bulls can back get back to if not being a winning a winning team, you know, a 42, 43 win team, to at least being a respectable out team where they can be a competitive ninth scene, win thirty-five, thirty-six games, something like that. What we were expecting this season essentially, I think that is still on the cards. Anything more would be uh would be gravy, but we'll see. We'll see what happens in the draft. We'll see how this new coach looks and obviously we'll see how the, the health of the player and of the players and, and what development these players can show. I mean we've seen a lot of a lot of guys in the bubbles take leaps. Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, Jason Tatum. Well he was kind of doing it before the bubble, but he's continued doing so. It would be nice to see some of these balls do something similar. So we'll, we'll wait and see. But thanks for your question, Jerry. This next one comes in from that one Bulls fan at that one guy 614 on Twitter. He asks, Are you up or down on Kobe's potential? And is it because he's not a pass first point guard or because you don't think he'll ever be a consistent scorer? So I have mixed feelings about Kobe. I don't necessarily, I definitely don't think he's a past first point guard. I don't think he'll ever really be a point guard. I'm not sure if he's ever going to be a lead guard option. He doesn't necessarily have that above the rim presence. He's a smallish sort of player in the sense that he, you know, he's 6'4", but he only has a 6'4", 6'5", wingspan. So he's not huge in length or width or whatever you want to call it. So in that sense, I think his role will be somewhat defined. He can't play both guard positions, which is kind of interesting, given he's probably the the one balls of the the core four, let's say, that has some position flexibility. Whereas Zach is really just a pure two. I don't think Lowry is anything more than a pure four, and Wendell Carter is definitely not a power forward. He is a center. So Kobe has some an interesting element in that sense that he could probably play both guard positions, maybe even slide up to a small forward depending on matchups. And, you know, if you're, if you're playing against three guard lineups or whatever it may be, maybe you can have three guards on the court with the bulls, which is another reason why I like taking someone like Killian Hayes, because you can maybe run Hayes, Kobe and Zach as a, as a potential rotation. But more generally as to how I feel about Kobe, I I don't want to get sold on what we saw in the last couple of weeks of, from Kobe White from the season I mean with, we're talking about basketball in February a lot of teams sort of are coming back from the trade deadline they're coming back from the All-Star weekend we're heading into March which is the doldrum parts of the season a lot of teams are sort of over it at that point and are either thinking about playoffs or they're thinking about getting away and you know thinking forgetting about their season so I don't want to get fooled again like I did with Lowry, let's say, from February 2019. I don't want to think of the last three to four weeks of Kobe White's season is, is what we'll get going forward because for the good chunk of last, oh, this season with the Bulls, he made some really bad decisions. He was super inefficient, and he didn't look like a player who understand how to fit into the team concept. He he clearly can get a bucket, no doubt. He, he has an ability to create offense for himself, but like I sort of said before, I see him and Levine as guys who could potentially grow into elite uh, shot finishers, let's call it. I don't know about their playmaking ability. I don't know their ability to sort of fit within an offense more holistically. I think both of these guys are going to be better suited to being that, that second or third scoring type guy behind that lead option. I think that's where their career arcs will ultimately settle towards. I think if you were to put Zach Levine, let's say, on the Lakers right now behind, obviously, LeBron and AD, he's... He would be perfect in that situation. I mean, I'm looking at the Bucks now, and the fact that they're so anemic in the half court when when they can't create. I mean, you left the ball. If Giannis isn't doing something in the half court, it goes to Chris Middleton, it goes to Brook Lopez, and those guys just don't have the 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 ability to create something off the bounce like Zach does. So don't get me wrong, guys like Zach and Kobe have a role in this league. They have worth in this league. But as the lead option, on ball option, I just still I still have too many question marks. And I see a lot of crossover between Kobe and Zach. So I'm not necessarily down on them because I think in the right role, both can be really good. Both can be productive players. But on this Bulls squad, particularly if they don't add another guard who can create for guys like Mark and, and Carter or even the wings around this team, I'm going to be a little bit concerned in terms of the Bulls' ability to, to put in place a, a structured offense that gets others involved beyond isolations for Kobe and Zach. That's not to say Kobe and Zach are unwilling to pass the ball, or they're you know just some idiot guys that just just don't understand how to play basketball, or not willing to share the basketball. I don't feel that way about either either of those guys. Both uh, have clearly proven themselves to be hard workers, and they're both the kind of person that you want around your ball club. Uh, I don't think they're the egomaniacs or anything like that. All reports from both players are they are the type of player you want around your team. But I, I just I just wonder if they're miscast. I wonder if there's too much crossover. And I, I just, I just don't know if they're both going to last here in Chicago. I do think Kobe can grow into a very consistent scorer. I think he can, at minimum, can be that sixth man spark plug. I mean, we're seeing that in the playoffs. So we've seen it for Luke Williams for, for, for quite some time. But even like Dennis Schroeder in OKC, I can see Kobe having a very similar role to that, where he can come off a bench, average 16, 17 points, can win you playoff games. And I know a lot of people, when I say that, they view that as a slight of some sorts that, you know, if Kobe's somehow coming off the bench and he's a 16 or 17 point per game scorer, like that's a bad thing. No, that's actually a pretty damn good thing if you can get that value from a number seven pick. So when I say that sort of stuff, I don't mean it in any, uh, I don't I don't mean to discredit Kobe. I, I think that is his, his baseline. So he, he, I think he's going to have a productive career. He's going to be a consistent scorer, but anything beyond that, that's where I have question marks. And I think that's a fair and reasonable take. You know, maybe his his upside is CJ McCollum, but maybe he does develop that. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But I wouldn't say I'm down on Kobe's potential. I just think there's some serious questions at this point in terms of him developing into anything more than an offensive finisher. So that's what I want to see going forward. And that's obviously why the Bulls' next coaching hire is going to be critical because you would kind of hope that they could develop that into Kobe's game if it is at all possible. A lot of these things are instinctive. It's very hard to teach a player how to run an offense, how to, how to understand reads, how to understand where, you know, the rest of his offensive players are going to be on the court. Along of that, a lot of that is instinctive. You, you don't teach a player like Kobe to be Chris Paul. It's, it's hard. It's obviously very hard to, to do that. A lot of it is just in your DNA somehow. I don't know how, but that's just who they are as ball players. And, uh, that's what I want to see from Kobe is how much we can sort of push that. And how much he can expand his gamble. We shall see. Thanks for your question there, mate. We'll move on to the next one. This one comes in from Alfie. At Alfie underscore season on Twitter. He asks, where do you see this core taking us in the next five years? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. Because, I, I, look, it's, it's tough to answer at this point. Because, we, I mean, who can we even say are long-term pieces on this, Bulls, on this Bulls team going forward? And and that's kind of a, a question that we, that I got in here from Jordan Tripp as well. So maybe connecting these two, Jordan asks, which of the current Bulls players do you think are long-term pieces? So that to me really is an open question at this point. I don't have any of these players as long-term pieces at this point. So as to, you know, coming back to Alfie's question about, you know, where do I see this core taking of, taking us over the next five years? I'm not convinced that this core is going to be around in the next five years. And I say that because, like I already touched on before, Larry Markkinen coming into the last year of his rookie deal. If he has a bad couple months to start the next season, after a bad season with, with the Bulls in his third season under Boylan here, maybe Karnas Chauvis is looking to to shop Larry Markkinen, which would mean he's obviously gone. Maybe similar with Zach Levine in the sense that, It could be a Jimmy Butler type two situation where Zach's only got two more years on his deal. If he continues to improve and if he's going to command something close to a max deal, do the Bulls entertain that? Are they interested in giving a player like Zach Levine a max contract, particularly when they were somewhat afraid of giving Jimmy Butler a max contract now. Granted, the contract for Jimmy Butler at that stage was a super max type deal that was potentially on the table. So that would be something a little bit more than what Zach Levine potentially will be earning. Jimmy Butler could have earned 35% of the cap, whereas Zach Levine, his max contract will only be 30% of the cap. So there is differences there. But it's a similar situation where Levine is coming up. He's got two more years on his deal. After next season, it's only one. I mean, are they looking to, to re sign him at that point? Are they looking to trade him while his value is high? I, I don't know. So in that sense, I don't I can't sit here right now and say that any of these bulls are long-term pieces, whether it's Kobe, Wendell, Lowry. Levine I would like to say that would definitely be the case because if that's the case and you're keeping these guys around then these guys are showing improvement they're showing you signs that this team can be a 50 type win team can get up into that third or fourth seed and maybe not be a championship contender but at least be a respectable ball club that we can all you know love and enjoy and actually watch some good competitive basketball for a change that would be nice but I just can't say sit here right now and say that any of these core is going to be here in the next five years or any of them are long-term pieces, but you know, assuming they all max out their potential and assuming they can all blend themselves together, which again is debatable. Like I sort of mentioned before, I see a lot of crossover between Kobe and Zach. I think Wendell's a pure five. I think Lowry's a pure four. You don't have much positional flexibility, which is somewhat problematic. I think it's also potentially going to be problematic as well with the Bulls playing with tra- tra- traditional bigs, particularly as the league downsizes. That, that's a, an open question I have as well. So when I put all that, that together, I, I still have many questions about where this core is going to take the Bulls going forward. Maybe, maybe this draft pick, if you take Killian Hayes and all of a sudden he sort of proves like he can be an all-star type player, maybe that changes the perception of this team. But at this point, I would say, if this core four do remain together, they do max out their talent, then I'd probably see this team being a, you know, a max level second round out team at best, a 44 to, you know, 50 win team, something like that, something like the, something very similar to the Indiana Pacers when they are healthy, where you've got Brogdon, you've got Oladipo, you've got Sabonis, and you've got Miles Turner at center. You've got four very good players. A couple of those are all star players. Or oh, and you know, a couple may even be border all, all borderline all-star players. And if you fill that sort of core out with some good role players, get a good deep bench, get in some good coaching, that team can win you 48 games, it can get you to the second round, it can be a good fun team that you can enjoy watching. I ultimately think if the Bulls max out what they have with these guys currently on in the roster and they continue to keep this core together, I think the Bulls can be very similar to the current version of the Indiana Pacers, not the one that went out in four games to the heat at this point given obviously Sabonis didn't play and Oladipo is just coming back from a serious injury but in terms of what the max level of those paces can be I think that this current trajectory of the Bulls from a uh, a top end point is very similar to this Pacers team. Yeah if I have to if we're going under the assumption that this, this team is hanging around these core players are hanging around they're going to be here for the next five years that's where I see their potential ceiling be but in saying that, I think the ultimate caveat, and you know, to Jordan's question, I'm not convinced that any of these guys are long term pieces at this point. I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe they they won't be. It'll depend on our tourist kind of service. It'll be to de- depend on who they hire as coach and the development of those players. But ultimately, it will depend depend on those players and if they can show any signs of developing. I know. I know a lot of Bulls fans are quick to blame Jim Boylan for the stagnation of Larry Mark and Wendell Carter, etc. I certainly have done that too, and. Though And obviously, Boylan definitely deserves some portion of blame for how those players have stagnated, but I also think it's on those players too to improve. I mean, Zach Levine, despite being under the worst coach in the league, continually improved. If if, if we can see that from Zach Levine, then I want to see that from Kobe, Wendell, and Lowry. Uh, if 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 Zach can put in the work and can become a better player under the worst coach in the NBA... Then I don't want to necessarily just scapegoat Jim Boylan completely and just avoid giving any blame to, you know, Larry, Wendell, whoever it might be. Those guys need to own some of their own shit too. They need to become better and hopefully it happens next season. But thank you for Alfie and Jordan for your questions. That's currently how I feel about. I suppose, this version of the Bulls. So I hope that answers your question, Alfie and Jordan. The next one comes in from Kevin Finnegan via email. If you want to do, send me an email, you can do so by sending your thoughts through to bullshqpod at gmail.com. The next couple of questions did come in through email. The first from Kevin Finnegan asks... So looking at the Bulls roster on paper, there is a great amount of young talent to work with. Do you think it's more likely this team can be molded into a contending team with what they have now and focusing their attention on a correct coaching hire? Or instead, do you think the Bulls need to find that superstar to build around? He names Giannis in order for them to get back to dominance. And to be fair, Kevin, and based on what I've sort of just said, I think the Bulls do need that, that key player, that number one player, whether it's Giannis or not. You know, it's clear watching the playoffs that the Bulls need that guy who can create in half court, not only for himself but for others. Someone when you're in playoff basketball, things slow down. It's more half court, but half court basketball. You need someone who can create their own offense, but create offense for others. And I guess the the twisted irony in all that is, we just got done watching Jimmy Butler yesterday, completely own the Milwaukee Bucks in the half court. He just kept going to the basket, creating for himself, creating for others. Obviously, he took over in the end, but you need that kind of closer in, you know, in playoff basketball. Maybe you can get by with Kobe and Zach at their current projections or trajectory as players in a regular season. But when push comes to shove, I think you need that. You need that top 10 player, that top 15 player, and the Bulls need their version of Jimmy Butler, which, again, is very painful to say. They need their, if it's not Jimmy, then they need, you know, a Kawhi type. They need their own version of Luca, Whoever that may be, I think the Bulls need that level of superstar, particularly on the wing, someone like a James Harden. Obviously, maybe a little bit less problematic than James Harden at times, but they need that level of player where they have themselves a top... If it's not a top five player, then someone that's in that sort of six to fifteen range. And yeah, like I said, sadly they did have that player in Jimmy Butler. They obviously shipped him out, which is painful to see. And we're seeing him doing great things by with the heat. But the Bulls need that player. And unless someone like Zach Levine, who probably is on the path most likely to head to that level, unless he du you know, really develops the rest of these game and can turn into that type of player, then I do think the Bulls need to to really find a superstar in that way. How they do that, who the hell knows. I don't think it's going to come through the draft this year. Uh, I don't think they'll be bad enough to sort of get a, a, a good draft pick next next year and get someone like Cade Cunningham. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Free agency is always a long shot. We haven't landed a great free agency in, in Bulls history. So, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be banking on that, but maybe maybe it can happen via trade if you sort of re-up the value of guys like Levine, Lowry, Wendell, Kobe, whoever it may be under a new coach. Maybe they can restore their reputation and, and restore their worth around the league. And maybe you can package two or three of those guys and, and trade for the next disgruntled star, whoever that may be, whether it's Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. I don't know if they're necessarily that same level of guys like a Luka or or a Giannis or a Kawhi or even a Jimmy Butler, to be frank. But you know, that's probably their their best chance of landing that type of player through a trade if you can rebuild the value of these players. But other than that, yeah, I do think the Bulls need a superstar. Where they're going to get that remains to be seen. But We'll see. But thank you for your question, Kevin. This next one comes in from Brittany via email as well. Again, bullshqpod at gmail.com. Brittany asks, who do you think is going to be the second best player on the Bulls next season? And I wanted to include this question because maybe I have a different opinion as to Uh, most Bulls fans as to who I think will be the most important or who would be the best for the Bulls in terms of being their second best player. But I'm very hopeful that the Bulls' second best player is Wendell Carter Jr. next season because if I can bring that back to what the Heat are doing, uh, more generally across the regular season, but even into the playoffs this season, Jimmy Butler is obviously carrying that team offensively, but they have a linchpin behind him, someone who is running their defense, someone who's being... Almost running their offense to a degree, at least is a great secondary offensive option from the elbows, passing out to the Miami Heat three-point shooters, and that's Bam Adebayo. He's obviously a terrific all-round player, developed into an all-star player this season, and if the Bulls can get something very similar from Wendell Carter, if he can develop into a, a a guy who can average 13 to 15 points, can give you 10, 11 rebounds, four or five assists, because I know Wendell has that passing ability whilst playing fantastic defense. Because Wendell, from a defensive standpoint, I think he's he's one of the smartest defenders at his age in this league at this point. I think if Wendell can become a, a Bam at a bio type player and Levine can continue to develop as a player, then if those the two guys are your two best players next season, maybe you can develop a little Miami Heat 2.0 or a version of the Heat here in Chicago. Then you can put Kobe and Lowry next to those two guys. I think Lowry is better suited as a, as a number three option, to be honest with you. I think just, just based on the way he plays, the fact that he's probably more a catch-and-shoot type player. He doesn't necessarily have a lot of moves off the bounce given the fact that he's a seven-foot power forward. He hasn't necessarily shown a ton of potential as a, an offensive creator, either for himself or for others. I think Lowry's better suited to that number three option and then you can have Kobe sort of slot in as number two and be almost the Dragic to Levine's butler to a degree. So... I kind of want Wendell Carter to be the Bulls' second best player next season. And if that happens and Wendell fulfills the potential that I think he has, then I think the Bulls are going to be, you know, going back to what Jerry said, I think that gives the Bulls the best chance of being a winning team because Wendell does a lot of things that maybe don't get registered in the box score. Maybe we as fans maybe overlook sometimes, but he just does so many things that impact winning basketball. So, I'm hopeful that Wendell Carter is the second best player on the Bulls, and I think that if that if that does happen, that is a very positive sign for for the Bulls more generally. But obviously, a positive in the sense that this next coach that is coming through has obviously found a way to get the best and, out of Wendell, and and hopefully in turn will get the best out of guys like Lowry and and Kobe, and maybe they can be more support pieces, and maybe and maybe in those roles they can be more successful. They can find the comfort within that specific role and be stars in those roles and. That's what I'm hoping. I still have high hopes for Wendell Carter. I know some people obviously think, when, uh, you know, Lowry's going to be the second best player on the Bulls next season. Maybe Kobe because those guys can can consistently maybe score 15, 20 points a game. But I think, you know, when you consider defense, when you consider offensive creation, when you consider the entire basketball court and the fact that an entire basketball, the offensive, defense and are connected, I think Wendell being the second best player on the Bulls next season would be a positive for this team. So I'm hoping for that, Brittany, but thank you for your email. Moving along here, this one came in from Luke, and I, I don't know why I included this this one because um, Luke's kind of coming after me at this point. But he asks, why are you such a pessimist even now that the front office has gone? And look, I, I do have this perception about me that I am a bulls pessimist based on how I feel about this franchise, how I feel about the players on this roster. And I know I can be a bit of a whinger at times, particularly in the playoffs. I know I was on I was I was on my shit the other day when Jimmy Butler was doing his thing in and sort of leading the Miami hit. And I was whining about it on Twitter saying this could have been us Bulls fans. We've been robbed of some serious playoffs success in this sense. We had we've been robbed of cheering for a guy like Jimmy Butler. He's exactly the type of player I want on this team. The type of player we need on this team and here he is, a, a former Bull who wanted to be a ball for the rest of his career doing things with Miami that we wished were happening in Chicago that pains me so when I tweet that stuff out and unfortunately for me i'm a i 'm a uh, someone who lives on twitter i'm i 'm constantly sharing my thoughts, and maybe that's maybe that 's a bad strategy because some of my thoughts can be perceived as negative as sometimes, but i wouldn 't class myself as a, a pessimist Luke I know a lot of people certainly feel that way about my takes, but I, I think everything I said about the Bulls at this point is pretty realistic as to where I think their ultimate trajectory is. I am a fan of all the players on this roster. I, I'm, I don't feel as strongly as some of you guys do about guys like Larry and Zach and Kobe, but that doesn't mean I've, I think they're bad players or they can't have good service, serviceable roles in this league. I just think a lot of these guys are miscast. they are put into the been put into the wrong situation, and I just don't think a lot of these guys are... Are players that are going to take you to that next level I mean it's very clear that someone like Levine isn't on a Luka level it's very clear that someone like Larry Markkinen isn't on that Jason Tatum or Donovan Mitchell level or even a Jamal Murray level so I just don't feel as strongly about the Bulls young players when I look around the rest of the league obviously when Jimmy Butler is doing his thing that makes me uh, feel a little bit more pessimistic let's say but I don't think I'm coming at this wrong. I don't think I'm looking at this from a pessimistic view. I feel like I'm being realistic. I understand why the more optimistic Bulls fan maybe thinks I'm not necessarily a uh, a realist or a, a, an optimist of times. I'm very happy that we have a new front office in place. I think the Bulls are going to land a good coach. I'm confident about that based on the names that have been connected to the job. I think Karnas is a smart dude, but ultimately the Bulls have a bad ownership group. That's always going to be something that lingers in the background. And I still feel this team needs a superstar. And I I, I feel like the max version of this team is a 45, 48 win team, something like that, which we probably could have had if we just kept Jimmy Butler. So in that sense, maybe that's why I come off as a pessimist Maybe I'm not as high on some of these players that you guys you know and you know, no love. Maybe you guys think Levine is better than I do. Larry is better than I do, whatever it might be. But yeah, Luke, I don't think I'm a pessimist, mate, but look, I thought I'd inclu- include your question because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening or maybe not if they think I'm a pessimist, but uh, I, sh- I certainly do think there are a lot of people on Twitter that think that, but yeah, I- I'm going to defend myself in this case. I don't think I am, but uh, thanks for your question, Luke. But uh Wrapping up now, final question. And this one comes in from, from Joey Pachone. I, look, I think it's Pachone. It's either Pachone or Pachone or Picconi even. Joey, if I've screwed that up, mate, I, I apologize. But thank you for sending your question in via email. He asks, I'd love to hear Brian Schroeder on the pod to talk about draft options for the Bulls. So I think that's a good suggestion, Joey. Brian does know his shit about the draft. He was on the Cash Considerations podcast, another Bulls, Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Network last week. So maybe you should go check that out with Brian on the... On the Cash Consideration podcast, he gave his thoughts about the draft. I know Morton Jensen is coming on my podcast next week to talk about the draft, but that's a good suggestion. But back to your question, Joey asks, what are my thoughts so far on the playoffs and which teams have impressed you most thus far? And this is probably a good place to close because obviously we're clearly in the middle, in the thick of playoffs at this point. And Joey, I mean... I can't go past my guy here, Jimmy Butler. I mean, what he did to carry the heat to that win against the Bucs. I mean, I love the Bucs. Giannis is my guy. I'm obviously a Greek. Giannis is a Greek. I want to see good things for my, uh, my countrymen. But at the same time, if that has to come at the expense of Jimmy Butler going off and Jimmy taking this Miami Heat team to the Eastern Conference Finals, then I'm okay with that at this point as well. So I'll be very impressed with Jimmy. I love what the Heat are doing at the moment. The fact that they've changed up their lineup, starting lineup and going to a more smaller lineup with Bam at center, that's been interesting. I think that has uh changed their upside momentum for the Heat. So we'll see if they can carry this throughout the rest of the series. But I obviously love what the Heat are doing. If you know me at all, I'm a big CP3 stan. I love Chris Paul. Probably my favorite player outside of Jimmy Baller. outside of Jimmy Butler at this point. I just want to see CP3 take down the Houston Rockets. I want to see him beat James Harden. I want to see him beat Russell Westbrook. If you, Again, if you know me at all, I'm not a Westbrook fan. I'm not a Harden fan. I love Daryl Murray. I love the innovation around the Rockets, but I would love to see the Rockets lose as well. That's particularly at the hands of Chris Paul, one of my favorite players of all time. I mean, that would be beautiful. I've been impressed with the way OKC have battled. I've been super impressed with CP3 just owning the fourth quarter like he has. And I just want to see him take down the Rockets. So hopefully that happens tomorrow. That 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 would be beautiful. But beyond those two teams, I mean, obviously the Mavs were super impressive, as were the Clippers. I'm assuming the Clippers are going to win the title at this point. But I guess the other team that is impressive most is the Celtics. The Boston Celtics have a serious chance, I think, to getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. And they're doing that off the back of their wings and their guard play. So coming back to everything I've sort of said, in this podcast, they have a lot of players on that roster who are big wings, who can create off the bounce, and they have a number of guys that can sort of create their own offense, but can create offense for others. And you see that with Kemba, you see that with Tatum, maybe less of an extent to Jalen Brown. He's more of a finisher, but they have those, they have the type of bodies that you need in a modern NBA offense. And importantly, they're a top five offense and a top five defense. That's ultimately the kind of team I want to see the Bulls be. I think Boston have the archetype of. What? How the league is going? Having two big dominant wings and having that guard play to support those guys. That's why I want the Bulls to bring in or to take a chance on a wing or a you know a ball handling guard in the draft. That's what they should be aiming for because the Celtics have the blueprint at this point and clearly based on how they're doing things at the moment, they are looking pretty damn good in, in the uh, in the East at this point. And I wouldn't be shocked if they beat the Raptors in five or six games at this point. They've obviously won the first two games. The matchups seem to be going in their favor. They've got Gordon Haywood coming back probably in a couple of weeks' time. Another wing, big-bodied wing who can score. I, I, I kind of like the Boston Celtics. And it pains me to say that as a Bulls fan, obviously, you know, a traditional rival of sorts, but, but they've been super impressive. So they're the teams I've liked at this point. I'm expecting the Celtics to beat the Raptors. I think they have a serious chance at the Eastern Conference Finals. We'll see what Jimmy can do against the Bucks but I'm hoping my guy CP3 gets through and beats James Harden and and Russell Westbrook's ass tomorrow. That would be beautiful. But uh, thanks for your question, Joey. Joey sent that through via email as well. Appreciate everyone sending through their questions. Thank you very much to everyone who did so. I appreciate you guys listening in and being part of the podcast. Thank you very much for doing that. There hasn't been a ton to talk about from a bull standpoint. I know my uh, podcasting schedule has been as has been a little bit more infrequent a little bit more all over the place so I do I do appreciate you guys sort of putting up with that there'll be more consistency around the the podcasting format going forward particularly as we're heading into that drafting type period and especially as the Bulls are now to their next head coach will be so once we learn more from that point of view once we get more into draft season there will be more Bulls HQ content but I do appreciate everyone's support thank you very much for tuning in if you want to follow more of my takes like I said I'm always on Twitter yapping about maybe too much at times but if you want to follow my thoughts do so at MK hoops you can also follow the podcast too at Bulls HQ pod and like I said before if you've got an email if you got a question, you don't necessarily have to just send me questions through, you know, from, from mailbag specific episodes. You can do that at any time. Doesn't have to be a question. It could even be a suggestion as, as as to you know segments you want to see on the show, guests you want to see on the show, whatever it may be. Just send me through your thoughts bullshqpod at gmail.com but that just about does it for this episode of the show again thank you to everyone who sent in a question really do appreciate it thank you for taking the time out of your day for do so hopefully I've answered your questions to a reasonable level and I uh, gave you some sort of insight into all of that but thank you again to everyone who sent in questions but that just about does it for this episode of the show we'll probably be back next week at some point talking drafts so be on the lookout for that but until then this has been Bulls HQ speak next time Bulls fans Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I'm Amira Rose-Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, hmm.